Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. Today we're going to finish up Luke chapter 14, and I still have... My helper with me today, my my daughter, and yes, I need to start the timer. I forget, <laughs> I, forget I forgot last time, and I forgot this time, and I also got to turn off uh, a metronome because we do not need a metronome for this podcast. Um, so we left off in the last podcast with Jesus. Uh, he he's talked to these this he's been invited to this dinner right with this Pharisee. And all his little fellow friends that they're rich and powerful, and Jesus has tried to explain to them how they they need to practice humility, and then he turns to the host uh, that, that has invited him to this dinner, and he has told him, and he's also talking to the others that hey, you need to go help people who can't repay you. You need to go to the crippled. You need to go to the lame and the blind. All these different people that you don't associate with, that's who you need to be associating with. You, you need to be showing examples of God to uh, these people. And he says, you're not doing that. And and so I want to pick up uh, where we left off in the last podcast. And there's this guy, he's sitting at the table with Jesus. And after he hears what Jesus told the host, uh, uh, of the dinner, he, he this guy yells out, "What a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God!" Now, keep in mind who's in this room. It's a bunch of religious leaders who think that they are righteous, who think that they are in right standing with God. Because first of all, they're Jews, and the Jews are God's chosen people. You know, at this time, and they know the law very well. They teach the law, and they're careful to observe the law. And so naturally, they would think, hey, we're on our way to heaven, and someday we're going to eat with God. We're going to sit down at this big old table, and we're going to eat with God. And in, in, in the book of Revelation, by the way, it does talk about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, and that's a, a people who get to go to heaven. We're going to get to sit down with Jesus one day at this big old table and eat, which that would be a lot of people, wouldn't it? That's going to be a lot of food, but it would be cool. Um, and so this sparks <laughs> Jesus to tell another parable, and this is the parable that he gives in verses 16 through 24. Jesus replies to this guy with a story. He says, A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. And when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, Come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. And then another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And the servant returned and told his master what they said. And his master was furious. And he said, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and invite the poor. Here's, here's those words again. Invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And after the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. And so his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone that you can find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will even get the smallest taste of my banquet. Remember what the guy said, right? Blessed are those who get to sit down at the banquet in heaven. Get to eat with God, right? And, and, and so Jesus, the message is very clear to these Pharisees and these religious leaders. 
Be the example that God wants you to be. Be the example that you're supposed to be. Show humility. Go out to people who can't repay you. Go out to people who have no hope, who who uh, who are stuck in their situation. Go and help them. Be the example of God that you preach. You know, put into practice what you preach. You know, don't just walk the uh, what is it? Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. You know what people say, something like that. You you be the example that you're supposed to be. Because he says, you're way too focused on power. You're way too focused on prestige. And you want praise from the people, yet you won't even take a finger to help any of them. You come up with all these excuses. You bind heavy burdens on the people. And yet you're just as guilty as they are. And so at the end of that parable, Jesus says, For none of those I first invited will get the, even the smallest taste of my banquet. Well, I, I just want to tell you right now, I don't want to miss out on, on heaven's food, <laughs> on Jesus' food. Yeah, that's going to be some good food. So he, he's, he's talking about the people that is in this room, these religious leaders, these Pharisees. And uh, he's, he's sitting at the table with these people, and he says, y'all, keep up, y'all just keep on making excuses and you continue your ways and you, 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 you don't shift your focus to where it should be on the poor and those who can't help themselves, those people who can't pay you back for your help. The people you refuse to help, well, they're going to be the very ones who is sitting in heaven at my banquet table and y'all ain't even going to get a crumb. You're not, you, you think you're going to heaven and you think you're going to be sitting at the table with God, the Father, and eating with us, but you ain't getting nothing. You're not getting a crumb. You, you, you're missing out. And so we, we can see then uh, the contrast in between Jesus and these Pharisees, and it's right here in, the, in, in this room, with, in this example that Luke's given us here in Luke 14. Their hearts are on total uh, opposite ends of the spectrum, if you will, because you have God in the flesh and Jesus, right? And you have these, these religious leaders who reject everything about him, his message. They reject it. They're constantly condemning him for all the good things uh, that... that he does and is doing and again uh before we throw him under the bus uh or throw these people under the bus uh, we do the same things that they're doing because the question we have to ask is where is our heart You you look around at our actions and you'll see where our hearts are um are we being the examples of jesus or are we being like these Pharisees criticizing people left and right, criticizing everything that's going on in the church, condemning the very ones who are trying to get their life right with God and need encouraging to, to do so? And, but it, 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 it's so easy uh, to criticize um, and to find fault. And, and so we, we have to be careful even, even today. We want to be the example that Jesus wants us to be. And so Luke's going to finish chapter 14 with another large crowd following Jesus. And Jesus stops in his tracks and he, I mean, literally he does. He stops in his tracks and he turns to the crowd and he's going to lay down the hammer. He's going to tell them the cost of being his disciple or being his follower. That's what a disciple is, being his follower in Luke 26, uh, in Luke 14, verses 26 through 35. He says, if you want to be my disciple... You must, by comparison, hate everyone else. That's pretty strong, isn't it? Hate it. You gotta hate everybody else. 
Uh, why would God want? You know, that's not a word in God's vocabulary. Yeah. So why, why is Jesus even saying this? Yeah. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta hate everybody else. Well, I'm not supposed to hate him, but God I thought God's a God of love. You know, where, where's this? Where's this word coming from? But that's what Jesus said. You gotta hate everybody else. We'll talk about that in just a second because he's uh, he's gonna describe it really what he's saying. He says, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then you gotta hate everyone else. Your father. Your mother, do you hate me? No. Yeah, well, I'm glad you don't hate me. You know, I, I don't hate you either. But that's, that's what you, you got to hate your father. You got to hate your mother. You got to hate your wife. You got to hate your children. I got to hate you. Jesus said, I got to hate you. Hater. <laughs> Hater's gonna so hate what's he talking about? Then? He, he, he's sitting there telling us if, if we want to be his disciple, then I got to hate your mom. I, I got to hate nanny. I gotta hate Uncle Greg, Aunt Judy. I gotta hate all these people. Okay. <laughs> you gotta hate your brothers. You gotta hate Jared. You gotta hate Tanner. They gotta hate you. There's a lot of hate going on. If we want to follow Jesus, there's a lot of hate going on. But God is a God of love. So what's He talking about? Because you know it's the agape love. It's a love unconditional. So what's He talking about here? Well, He's He's really talking about putting Him first. He, that, it, you remember back in the Old Testament, we had the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses. And one of those commandments was, you shall have no other gods before me, right? No false, no, no idols. And anything that we put before God becomes an idol. And so we, we have to be careful that Jesus is first place. There are lives literally focus and center around Jesus. And that, that, that's, that's what he's saying. He's, he's not... Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. God's love is unconditional. It's agape love. Uh, he, he does not hate people. And Jesus is not telling us to hate people. He is saying, put me first. If you want to be my disciple, then I've got to be first. And then, then everybody else comes after me. And that's what he's saying. And so he says, otherwise, if you're not going to put me first... You cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone's going to be laughing at you. And they would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the, the 20,000 soldiers marching, marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away because he knows he's fit to get his butt whooped, right? <laughs> so he's counting the cost. He's like, we can't do this. We're going to try to negotiate and keep peace because he's going to come wipe us off the map and we don't want that to happen. And so if he can't, he's going to send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy's still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own, putting me first, putting everything uh, uh, else to the side. Get, you got to give up everything that you own. He says salt is good for seasoning. You like salt, don't you? A lot of salt. You get that from your mom. But salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Flavorless salt, which would be nasty, flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor for a pile of crap. 
<laughs> that's what Jesus says. A manure. Well, he says manure pile. But that's what flavorless salt is good for. It's good for nothing. It's not. You can put it in the ground. It's not going to do any good. You can throw it in a pile of poop. Uh, it's, it's not going to do any good. It's just thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Um, back in 2002, uh, the store that I worked at uh, burnt down to the ground. And so I, I had a lot of time off. I think I had six to eight months off, and I was getting paid. So I, I was bored, and I... And me getting bored is a dangerous thing <laughs> because I start coming up with these ideas and and I come up with this wild hair. Of, uh, hey, I want a log cabin. And so uh, a neighbor down the street from this is, you know, we just went home recently. And so uh, uh, the house there at the end of Mason Grove Road is where we lived at the time. And, uh, it, when, and Tanner had just been born. And so it, it, it's been a while back. And... Um, and so we, we had, uh, I, I sold that house, bought three acres of land to build this log cabin. Well, I drew that log cabin up on a napkin and carried it to an honest Abe dealer. And he, he, he came up with these blueprints and he, and he, they, what well, they call a package. And, and the package included, um, the logs. It included, uh, part of the ceiling, the tongue and groove that went on the ceiling. It, it included, um, uh, the the wood for the porch and I think that's a, a, about it so I had to sit down and call uh, figure out how much material I would need or for how much concrete I would need for the footer and then I had to figure out how much material I would need for uh, the, the blocks for the foundation and then I had to have wood for the subfloor and then we built the walls on top of that and then uh, I had to have two by fours for the inside I had to have sheetrock for the inside I had to buy wire so uh, me and a guy from church could wire it up. Um, I, you know, and then I had to have uh, a roof, so I had to figure up the, all the material it was going to take for a, a roof, and, and, and had to hire what it would cost somebody to hire to put the roof on. Had to have pipes put in for plumbing, you know, because we have to use the bathroom. So I had to figure up, all, uh, you know, how much pipe I would need and what kind of pipe. So all these things that, that, that went into building this log cabin, I had to literally sit down and figure out how much it was going to cost for me to build this log cabin because it would have been so embarrassing for me if I'd have bought this three acres of land and got this log cabin package and ran out of money. It would look funny if we went by the other day because when we drove by there to, to see the... The, the log cabin was in, been 19 years or so, 20 years later. Uh, and it looks really good with the way the, the people have fixed it up uh, today. But it, it would have been embarrassing if we drove by that log cabin and it would have just been a stack of logs on, on a subfloor. And we would have said, look, that was ours at one time when we ran out of money. But see, but now when you drive by, it's, it's a beautiful home. It's it, it's it's been restained, and and, and, and uh, the people that own it now are contractors who build houses, so they've really fixed it up, and it's just, it's it's a beautiful home again. Um, but I didn't run out of money because I calculated the cost, and and I stayed within what we call a budget. Uh, you know, it got pretty close there at the end. Uh, but I stayed within a budget, and 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 so I wasn't the laughing laughing stock uh, of Gaston, Tennessee, Humboldt, Tennessee. People didn't drive by and laugh at us. People drive by and say, hey, "What a what beautiful log cabin!" And so, 
uh, like I said, I sat down and, and I, I came up with the cost of, of, of how much that was going to be, and uh, and I was able to finish the house. And that's what Jesus is, is saying to these people. Uh, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to count the cost. You 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 have to know what it costs to follow me. In, in other words, I got to be first in your life, not your husband. Not your wife, not your mom, not your dad, not your brother, not your sister, not your kids. I have to be first. And in fact, you have to take up your cross. Well, you know, what do you know about the cross? He died there. Yeah, it's a place of death. It's a place of pain. It's a it's a place of torture. Uh, and if you didn't die very fast, they'd come by and break your legs or, you know, whatever, so that you couldn't breathe anymore. And, and so, it, it you know, Jesus hung there for six hours going through this agonizing death, trying to, to breathe. And Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you're going to have to die to yourself, right? You're going to have to die to your selfish desires, your needs and your wants, and you're, you're basically going to have to let me have my way with you. And see, that that's a problem for people because we don't want to give up control. We want to be in control of our lives, don't we? We want to make our own decisions. We want to do what we want to do. And that's why a lot of people today refuse to, to give their lives to Jesus. But he says you have to count the cost of being my disciples. And when you really think about it, it, it can be overwhelming. It, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, because I, like I said, we we want to we want to be in control. And what's that song by uh, Carrie Underwood? Jesus take the wheel. I, 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 that's all I know of the song. But she talks about Jesus taking the wheel. I'm not going to sing it, but she talks about Jesus taking the wheel. Another, you know, you know, you know, Mom, we're going to have to uh, get you a car here pretty soon because you, you're getting your uh, learner's permit this year. And uh, who's going to teach you to drive? Mom. Your mom. Yeah. It ain't going to be me because I didn't teach Tanner uh, how to drive. And I wasn't going to teach Jared how to drive. Mom teaches, taught Tanner. Mom would teach Jared and mom's going to be the one teaching you. You know why? I, I, even to this day, t- see Tanner's what, 23? He's been driving for seven years. I still don't want to be in the car with Tanner driving. I don't want to be in the car with anybody unless I'm driving. You know why? Because I want to be in control of that steering wheel. If I'm over there in the passenger seat, if I'm in there in the back seat and I'm not asleep, I'm nervous. And even when I'm asleep, when your mom's driving, I'm, I'm really mushy Macy. She's changing lanes, going down the interstate. I'm jumping up saying, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm freaking out because I'm not in control. It's a scary thing when you're not in control. And, 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 and Jesus is saying, look, if you want to be my disciple, then i got to be in control. And there's just a lot of people don't want to give up control of their lives. They want to do what they want to do. And Jesus says, hey, you got to let me have control. I have to be first in your life. you got to count the cost. And the cost is you giving up everything that you have to follow me. I have to be first. And So he gives the example of salt. And salt's got a lot of uses. It flavors food, of course. It preserves food. And when, when I was a meat department manager for about 9 or 10 years. And we would get this stuff called fat back in. It was the back of a cow. I mean, I'm sorry, the back of a pig. And I, I meant to say sow, not cow. And uh, and, and it was just, and it looked like it was just this big white chunk of meat. And it came in, it was huge. It was like two foot by three foot. And it was just full of salt. 
it had just, I mean, like this thick of, of salt just caked on it because that salt preserved that fat back. And I would take the knife and cut it up into chunks and sell it, and people would flavor their, their food with it. <laughs> Talking to a, a person who doesn't like to eat very much meat besides chicken. She doesn't, I don't think you eat any meat besides chicken, do you? Bacon. Bacon. Very rarely do you eat meat. But um, salt has a, a lot of purposes. Um, but, what, you know, if, if you were going to eat some fries and you grabbed the salt shaker and you salted down your fries and you went to take one of those fries and you bit into that fry and that salt didn't have any, it didn't salt the, it didn't salt the fries. It was just kind of like a, a, just a plain potato. I mean, what, what would you think? It's like, yeah, this is nasty. And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, if the salt loses its flavor, what good is it? He says not even good. it's not even good for the manure pile. That's pretty bad, you know, when it's not good for crap, right? And um, so a, a good example of this is in John chapter 6 where the people were following Jesus. And, and uh, he has fed them with the two fish and the five loaves of bread. And he says, hey, you know, you're following me because uh, you like the food. That fish tasted good. That bread tasted good. That's why I'm saying when we set that banquet feast in heaven with God, it's going to be good food, right? And Jesus says, you're following me because you, uh, you like the food. But he says, if, he told him, he says, if you want to be my disciple, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, that sounds nasty, doesn't it? That, I mean, that's just gross. But what he was saying is, and we know what he's saying because we, we, we take communion uh, on the Lord's day. We eat the bread that represents the body of Christ. We drink the cup, the fruit, uh, the fruit of the vine that represents his blood. That, that's what he was talking about. But back then they didn't realize what they're like. You're you're a freak, dude. <laughs> this is nasty, and we're not we're not because they were trying to make him a king, and so there's like we're not following you anymore. And one of the saddest verses is in John six verse sixty six. It says that they all turned away from Jesus, and they left him. All this big huge crowd that had they had chased him from one side of the Sea of Galilee to the other because they wanted to make him a king. And when he said that, he said, "You you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood." They're like, "No, nah, ain't having none of that. We're out. We're gone." And and so they what they they counted the cost and were like, "No, we're not doing that. We're not eating your flesh or drinking your blood." So they they walked away. And Jesus turns to uh, his twelve disciples that he handpicked. And, 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 and he says, y'all going to go away too? And do you know this story? Are you familiar with this story? And Peter says, uh, Jesus, where are we going to go? You, you, you had the words to eternal life. You, all our hope is in you. We've given up everything to follow you. And, that, and Jesus is saying, that's exactly what you got to do. You got to give up everything to follow me. These disciples, they counted the cost. They've left their families behind. Some of them, may be, their families may have been coming with them at points. But they, Peter says, we have given up everything to follow you. We have counted the cost. We've calculated the cost. And we have decided that there's no hope outside of you. We have to have you if we want to go to heaven. If we want to be with you for eternity, where else are we going to go to find salvation? There, 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 there is no place to go. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12 Luke said this, There's no way to be saved from the punishment of sin through anyone else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we can be 
saved. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus tells his disciples, when, when, when Thomas says, how are we supposed to know the way? And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come into the Father but through me. And so if we want to go to heaven, if we want our sins to be forgiven, there's only one way to do that. And that is to be in Jesus. And so we, we can sit down with pen and paper and we can do, some people do cons and pros. When they're trying to make a major, major decision. Do I want to buy this house? Do I want to buy this vehicle? Well, list, you know, list out the pros, list out the cons. And, 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 and so they're, they're, they're counting all these, this, these costs. Well, if I want to build this house, what do I got to do? And so they start writing all this stuff and they come up with this budget. But if we want to go to heaven, where else are we going to go? There's no other place to go but to Jesus. So we start writing down all this stuff, and when we add up the price or the cost, we have to we we have to give it to Jesus because that's that that's where that's the only place that we can go for salvation. That's the only place, the only person we can go to to have our sins washed as white as snow, to have our sins forgiven. So we, we can count the cost all we want to, but we have to make that decision that no matter what, I'm following Jesus. I know it's going to be hard. If you think about the, the disciples in Acts, when uh, Jesus had told them and told them and told them for the three years that he was with them, he says, you're going to be hated. Do you, like, do you want to be hated? You, do you, when, when you're around your friends at school, do you want people to, to like you or to hate you? Like me. Yeah, we want people to like us. We want people to love us. We don't want people to hate us. We don't want to be rejected. Nobody wants to be rejected. But that's what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, you're going to be hated for my name's sake. You're going to be persecuted for my name's sake. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be killed. Matter of fact, in, in Acts, uh, well, you have Stephen who stoned to death. He was the first martyr. And then you have the apostle uh, James, you know, the, the, the sons of thunder, James and John. Big James, uh, and, uh, is it Big James? Little, what do they call him in The, on the, on the Chosen? Um, he was the first one who's beheaded, one of the apostles, one of the original 12 that Jesus handpicked. So the cost is great. And that's what Jesus is telling uh, this crowd. They're walking along. He stops dead in his tracks and says, Hey, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be my disciple, this is what you got to do. You got to put me first in your life and you have to give up your will. You have to give up your ways. You have to die to yourself on the cross, take up my cross, and follow me. You, you have to give up everything. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, people just ain't willing to do that because we, we like life. We love life. We love ourselves. That's why we look in the mirror every day and we grow. Hey, I just cut my hair last night for the first time in two years. <laughs> for the first time in two years, I cut my hair. And, and, you know, we, we, we take care of our bodies. We take care of ourselves. We, we pamper ourselves. Isn't that what women say? I, I, I want to be pampered. And so we go to the spas and we you know have our toenails done, our fingernails done, and our hair done. And we... We, we, we buy nice clothes, we buy nice cars, we, we, we buy things to pamper ourselves. And Jesus says, hey, if you want to follow me, 
I gotta be first. You gotta give up all. You know, you gotta get. Not that we can't have nice things, but our. It, it's all about focus. It, it's all about attitude. Have this attitude in you that was in Christ Jesus. And and so, uh, if they count, you gotta count up the cost. They counted up the cost. The disciples did. Uh, these people in John 6 that I use while well, I go for the example, they're, they're, they weren't willing to pay the price. Another, another example that I thought about was uh, the rich young ruler. You know the story of the rich young ruler? He's a young guy, right? We don't know his age, but he, he's maybe about your age, maybe just a tad older, just a teenager. And he's very rich. That's why we call him the rich young ruler. And, and, and I, I'm not sure if it's Matthew or Mark's gospel but he comes running up to jesus right i mean he's running as fast as he can and he he and, and he has a question for jesus and he says what what do i have to do to to earn eternal life what do i got to do to to be saved is basically what he's asking i want to go to heaven i want to be with god for eternity what do i got to do and jesus says hey you know keep the commandments and he's all excited he says oh i got this in the bag dude I, this is easy i've been doing this my whole life and and jesus just looks at him he's gonna lower the boom on and he says yeah, you know, you, you, you're, you've done a good job. Because Jesus knows, right? He knows his, he's known this dude ever since he was born. Because he's God. And he's he's thinking in his mind, yeah, yeah you, you've done a good job. But he, he, he tells this, this kid, he says, you've done well, but there, there's something you're lacking here. Well, what is it? I, I want to I go to heaven, so what do I got to do? Uh, you know all that stuff that you have? Go and sell it. And take all that money and give it to the poor. In other words, give up everything that you own to follow me. And what did the rich young ruler do? Walked away sad. He walked away sad. He came to Jesus running. And he's face to face with Jesus. And he's so excited. What do I got to do to go to heaven? And Jesus says, hey, sell everything you have. Give that money to the poor. You know, people who can't repay you, like we talked about in the other two podcasts. And, and, and show hope to other people who can't repay you. Be the example of God that you should be. And, and, and the rich young ruler couldn't do it. He couldn't let go of his stuff. And he, he literally walked away from the only person. That was his question. What do I got to do to go to heaven? And he went to the right person. He come running to Jesus. And he says, what do I got to do? And Jesus says, here's what you got to do. And he says, oh, I'm not willing to do that. And he walked away sad, lost. And we don't know if he ever gave his life to, to Jesus. We don't know if he ever sold his possessions and, 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 and gave his money to the poor. So Jesus is not saying we can't have nice things. Jesus is just saying that those things can't come before him. And the rich young ruler, he loved his stuff. And he wasn't willing to give give his stuff up. Uh, and so... A question that we're going to end today uh, with 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 this podcast is, you know, what is worth holding on to to miss heaven? Nothing. 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 That's what Jesus said. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? I mean, I can't think of anything that is worth going to hell over. Like you said earlier, everything runs out. Everything runs out. I mean, it it it, it rusts. It it, it it fades. It you know, beauty fades. Money, you know, 
somebody can come in and rob you of everything that you have. You know, it happens all the time. And we can lose it. We can misplace things. It's just stuff. It disappoints you. It disappoints us. Yeah. And, and I mean, I can't think of one single thing that is worth missing heaven over. Can you? I mean, it, 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 but that's what, see, that's what the devil does. He, he tricks us. Um, if you think about Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 1, Genesis 2, they were basically in heaven. They, they, they were in a place of perfection. They had perfect communion with God. And the devil comes along and says, hey, I, I, I can offer you something better. Don't you want to? They were, they were already like God. They're in perfect communion with God, like I just said. And, and, and he says, hey, if you eat that fruit, well, God said we can't eat that fruit. Yeah, but I know what God said. But don't you want to be like God? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'd like to be like God. She was already like God. She was already in perfect communion with God. But Satan duped her. He tricked her. And he, he got her attention on that fruit. And she, he says, if you just eat that fruit, you'll be just like God. Oh, I want to be just like God. So she, she ate that fruit and she passed it to Adam. He ate that fruit and they had sinned. That's what sin is, going against the will of God. And God said, don't eat that fruit. And guess what? They ate the fruit. And they had been duped, and it was too late. And they, you know, they were, oh, we're naked. And they go and hide. And God comes walking through the garden. And God knows where they're at, but he wants them to, 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 to uh, uh, verbalize what they had done wrong, right? And so uh, God, make, God kills an animal, makes a, makes some uh, covering for them out of the, you know, it was the first sacrifice ever made, which kicked off, the, you know, the point when Jesus had to come and die for our sins. So there is nothing, even though Satan tries to beautify, he he knows our weaknesses. He he knows how to get us, and so he. He, he, he portrays these things that are sinful as, as if they're, they're beautiful. And, and they're not beautiful. It's, it's sin. It's, and all sin is ugly. And sin separates us from God. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us to be separated. He wants us to be separated from God. And, and, and God wants us to be close to him and, and to draw near to him. And, and, and so that Satan then, he beautifies sin. And God's saying, no, that's sin, and it separates uh, me from you, or you from me, and you don't, don't need to do that. But far too often, what do we do? We take a bite of that fruit. We, we, we just we fall into sin, and sin separates us from God. And I, I just want people to realize Satan's tactics, and nothing is new. Uh, he, he uses the same things today that he used in the garden to, to try to get our, our attention and our focus off of God. So we're going to end the podcast today by asking this question. What is worth missing heaven? What is worth What in this world can you not let go of that is, that is uh, keeping you from serving Jesus? It's keeping you from making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Hell is not worth it, friend. Give your life to Jesus today. If I can help you in any way, contact me here at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Email me with any concerns, any questions that you have. Uh, No matter where you're at, I can find somebody that can help you with your situation, that can uh, point you to Jesus, that can encourage you. 
to give your life to Christ. And if you have given your life to Christ and maybe you have fallen back into sin, you have been taking a bite of that fruit, that the devil has duped you, has deceived you, we want to help you. We want to pray for you. So email us at thegrindedpodcast at gmail.com and we will lift you up in prayer today. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for joining us <laughs> in Luke chapter 14. Uh, our hope and prayer is that you will keep grinding with Jesus. God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.